up front. Uh, but yesterday afternoon, Ann and I went to a trikathon. How many of you know what a trikathon is? Okay, some of you, yeah, you do. Um, how many of you know what a jogathon is? Okay, grade schools have them, and kids run laps and, and raise money for the school. And, well, the, the trikathon was for Logan's preschool. Uh, Logan is three. And um, so we went to that, and um, they have an oval set up so that the kids can ride their trikes around this oval, and they have cones in the middle, and they do, you know, laps for about five minutes each class. And as Logan did that, his class was doing it, um, Luke and Adrian, his parents, were on one side of the circle. His sister, Summer, was over on the corner with me, and Ann was in another spot. And for five minutes, all of us were screaming, Go, Logan, go! Go, Logan, go! You know, as he did lap after lap after lap. And it occurred to me, as we're celebrating All Saints Day, and you saw the names of some of the saints here that have passed on, um, in Hebrews chapter 12... Uh, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, Logan had a track that was marked out for him. And you and I have a race that's marked out for us as well. And then uh, Hebrews 12, 2 goes on and says, um, after let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so... You know, if your day gets tough, or if you feel like, you know, I'm just going to take a day off, or I'm not going to run anymore, or uh, I'm going to take the rest of my life off, um, keep in mind, God's got a race set out for you. And at the time that your race is over, that's when he'll call you home. Until then, our job is to run, to run that race. And, um, you know, so I just thought that, and, and, you know, while you're doing it, I mean, all the people mentioned on the, the video earlier are standing up there saying, you know, go, Mark, go, go, Mark, go, um, or go, Gwen, go, Gwen, go. You know, that's what's going on in heaven. They're up there going, Joni, Joni, Joni. I mean, and, I mean, <laughs> I think Pastor Mark gave me his microphone. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. I can use the wireless. Oh, okay. About time. Um, this one's. Try standing here. I don't do that well, but this one work out. Can you stand here? Okay. Try this one. 
this is Pastor Mark. Is that coming through? Can you hear me in the back? Uh, all right, I'm sorry. Uh, can you hear me, Tom? <laughs> okay, but that's what's going on in heaven as we run our race. I mean, Moses is standing there cheering you on. Elijah is standing there. Jesus is in heaven saying, go, go, go. Um, you know, John knows what this is like when he plays rugby. He's got a whole stadium that's either cheering for you or against you. Um, and in heaven, they're all cheering for you. Wow. And so as we take a look at that, we're going to take a look today at, at the topic of um, praying all day long. Uh, I put this on, but actually I have a hearing aid that gets in the way of me putting on Mark's headphones. So I'm good like this. Um, and by the way, uh, I don't have a handout for you. Um, someone came by my office between service and said, Pastor Steve, they didn't put your handout in the bulletin. And I said, uh, well, that's because my sermon today is pointless. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, Tom actually said that, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, today we're going to take a look at praying all day long. And in first. Thessalonians chapter 5, um, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You ever wonder what God's will is for your life? There it is. Always be joyful. Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. Huh. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Even us Norwegians can remember that as we fall upstairs. Um, and so um, that's what it is. Now, I want to show that to you in and through the life of a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah, Pastor Mark read the, the main part of the story. Uh, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And um, which, I mean, he came somewhere around 700 or before 700 B.C. So somewhere probably between about 850 and 700. And um, when Elijah came, uh, the kingdom of Israel was divided in two. It wasn't just one. You had the ten tribes in the north, which were Israel, and the two tribes down south, which were Judah. And so when Elijah came on board and was the spokesperson for job for God, it says that Ahab began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Azaz's reign in Judah. So that's the southern two tribes. Um, Ahab reigned in Samaria 22 years, but Ahab, the son of Amri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more so than any of the kings before him. And that's kind of the, the biblical way of saying he was the worst. He didn't follow God's commands. He, he, I mean, he sacrificed children. I mean, he did all kinds of wicked and evil stuff. Um, and so that's the situation to which God calls uh, Elijah and says, Okay, I want you to be my mouthpiece. Now, what's God's attitude going to be towards someone who sacrifices children? You know, well done, thou good. No, I mean, it's going to be, you know, you are, you need to change your ways. Well, that's what happened when uh, Elijah came. He says to Ahab, 
He said, you know, because you are so wicked, we are going to experience three years of drought, no rain. Now, wouldn't you love to give that message to the king? Um, and so he does that, and then he takes off, and for three years, King Ahab's looking for Elijah, because he's kind of hiding out, and he wants to kill him. And so eventually, Elijah comes back on the third year of the drought, and God says, um, tell you what, I want you to go talk to Ahab and tell him that rain's coming. It's good news, right? But is Ahab going to be happy? No, because he's suffered through three years of drought. So Elijah goes to appear before Ahab. Uh, keep rolling, please. Uh, and so he tells Obadiah to let him know. So Obadiah tells Ahab that Elijah's coming. Ahab goes out to meet Elijah. And when Ahab sees him, Ahab says, Aha! You, the troublemaker of Israel. Is that really you? And Elijah says, Hey, I didn't cause the trouble. You did. You and your family are the troublemakers. You refuse to obey the commands of the Lord. And you have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now, what's interesting here is Elijah is very much in tune to the message that God has for him because he prays regularly. He knows God's voice. He, he hears God's voice. He knows God's will. And so Elijah then says, tell you what, let's have everybody meet us at Mount Carmel. All the people, you bring all of your prophets uh, of Baal, all your prophets of Asherah, uh, which your wife Jezebel supports. Now that's 850 prophets. And then Elijah. And so they, Ahab says, okay, let's do this. There's no way you're going to be able to take on 850 prophets. And so he summons everybody and they come to Mount Carmel and we're going to have a contest. And so here's what the contest is going to be. Next slide, please. Elijah stands in front of everyone. Ahab, the 850 prophets, all the people of Israel. And he stands and says, how much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. In other words, the people of Israel, the northern ten tribes, were like, you know, we'll just do whatever. Um, and so Elijah says, you know, if the Lord our God is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And look what the people of Israel do. I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to say anything that get me into trouble. I'm going to, you know, dummy up. And they're stone silent. And Elijah looks at them and says, okay. <coughs> I am the only prophet left of the Lord. Baal has 450, Asher has 400, and Elijah is just emboldened. He is ready to take on 850 prophets. And he says, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to get two bulls, and you can choose whichever one you want, and you can cut it up and lay it on your altar on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I'm going to prepare the other bull. I'm going to prepare the other altar, and I'm not going to set fire to it. And then 
you guys can call on the name of your Lord. And I will call upon the Lord. And the God who answers by setting fire to the sacrifice, the God who, who miraculously sets the, the offering on fire, that's going to be the true God. And everybody said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. And so Elijah says to the prophets, tell you what, tell you what, you guys go first. Go ahead. Then, you know, when your God answers, I don't even get a crack at it. Um, and so he says, you go first. There's a lot of you. Choose which bull you want. Choose where you want to do it. Call on your God, but don't set fire to the wood. And so they do it. They prepared the bowl. They placed it on the altar. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime. It's like six hours, okay? Six hours. They're calling on their God. And they go, oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal. Six hours they're doing that. There's no reply. And so then they began dancing and hobbling and jumping and, and whatnot around the altar. And at noon, Elijah steps in. And, and as he's listening to God, he says, you know, let's take it up a little bit. And he says, hey, you guys are going to have to yell a little bit louder. <laughs> For surely your God's a God. Now, by the way, you know that their God's Baal and Asherah were just pieces of wood, right? What they worshipped were pieces of wood that were covered with metal. And so um, Elijah goes on mocking and he says, hey, perhaps he's daydreaming. You know, yell a little bit louder. Maybe he's, he's off relieving himself. Uh, going to the bathroom. Um, can you say that in church? Um, <laughs> oh, maybe he's on vacation. You know, call louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he needs to be woken up. And so, I mean, Elijah's having a good old time. He's saying this to the, the prophets that are dancing and, and whipping and all that. Um, so they said, yeah, maybe we do need to yell louder. So they yell louder. They follow their custom. Now they begin cutting themselves or, flat, or beating themselves so that blood gushes out and their gods can see how devoted and how passionate they are about them. And they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. And there's nothing. No sound, no reply, no response, um, no answer, nothing. And so, it's Elijah's turn. And he says, okay, that's enough. And he says, everybody, come, come on over here. And, and they crowd around him, and Elijah puts back together the altar that had been torn down, the altar that belonged to God. And then he takes 12 stones, and he, one to represent each of the 12 tribes. He uses the stones, he rebuilds the altar. Then he digs a trench around the altar. Um, and then he, he says, okay, um, let's, let's put wood on there. Let's put the bowl on there. Let, let's do that. And you know what? Go get four large jars of water. We're going to soak this bad boy. And they pour water over the wood and the, the, the sacrifice. And they do that three different times they do it um, to make sure it's good and wet. He, he says, you know, I want you to know what really happens here. And so as they did this, I mean, the water not only soaked the, the offering, but it filled the trench. And at the usual time of the evening for the sacrifice, Elijah has been listening to God, who's been praying to God all day long, doesn't 
begin dancing and hobbling and beating himself and whatnot. He simply walks up and prays. And he says, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, um, prove today that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I've done all this by your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. And answer these so these people will know you, and that, that you are the Lord, that you've brought them back to yourself. And immediately, fire comes down. Immediately, the wood, the stones, the bull, the dust, everything is burned up. And in fact, all the water evaporates. And it's like, whoa. Now notice, he doesn't need to beg long and hard because he's been listening to God. All he does is simply say, God, do this so that your people will know. Whenever God performs a miracle, it is to teach a lesson or for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God and drawing people to faith. And so the people see it. They fall down on the ground. They cry out, the Lord, he's God. The Lord is God. And then Elijah says, grab all the prophets and kill them. And so the people killed all the prophets. Elijah took them down to the Kishron Valley and they killed them there. They, they wiped out all 850 of them. And Elijah is like, hmm. Good thing God and I are, are a team, right? And then Elijah continues because they've had three years now without rain. So he, he, he says, he turns to Ahab, who's still kind of incredulous about this whole thing. He says, you know, you better get something to eat and drink because there's a mighty rainstorm coming. And Ahab goes and he gets something to eat. And Elijah gets up on the top of Mount Carmel, bows down, begins praying. Uh, you know, he's just before God. And as he does, he tells the servant, go check it out, see if there's rain coming. And there's nothing. And a second time, and nothing. Third, seven times he sends the servant out. And finally, on the seventh trip out, the servant goes, I think I saw a cloud way out there. It was a real little one. And Elijah turns to Ahab and said, you know, you better hustle home because there's a thunderstorm, there's a rainstorm coming. And pretty soon the cloud's black. Uh, the sky's black with clouds. The wind comes up. There's a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab quickly tries to get home. And he hustles home. And he gets home in time. And then here is where um, something interesting happens. Because Elijah has been listening to the Lord, who's been praying to God um, and, and talking to him. All of a sudden he becomes a chicken. Elijah, who will tell Ahab what's what. Elijah, who will stand up in front of 850 prophets and declare that God is the Lord, um, all of a sudden becomes chicken. Because what happens is, Ahab gets home, he tells his wife Jezebel what had happened. Um, by the way, I think Jezebel wore the tunic in their family. Um, okay, I'm just guessing here. But... Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and says, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow you aren't dead. I mean, that, that's she. So she sends him this message. And Ahab, who stood up 
you know, in front of 850 prophets who stood up in front of, of um, Ahab, I mean Elijah. If I get the names mixed up, just know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, and so Elijah becomes an absolute chicken, and he gets afraid. He runs for his life. He, he goes to Beersheba. Then um, he leaves a servant there. He runs into the wilderness so nobody can find him. He sits down under one broom tree and prays that he might die. Wow. Just a day earlier, he was walking around going, am I the man or what? You know, I mean, he is so cocky and arrogant. I mean, and at this point, he's sitting there and he just prays that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. And so as he's hiding there under the broom tree out in the middle of nowhere, he takes a nap. As he's sleeping, an angel comes and taps him. By the way, God knows where you are and how you are at all times. As he's hiding there, angel comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, you might be hungry. Take and eat. So he eats and drinks. And he lays down again. After you eat a big meal, what do you do? Take a nap. So he takes another nap. Um, and the angel comes and taps him again and says, Hey, um, eat some more. You've got a big journey at you. So he does that and gave him strength so he could travel all the way to Mount Sinai, 40 days and nights. And he gets there. Now he is 41 days away from Jezebel. And he finds a cave to hide in, still afraid. And he gets in the cave, and God speaks to him. And he says, what are you doing here, Ahab? You know, one of the, the amazing things that, that I've experienced, and I, I know others have, is when God speaks, more often than not, he is so gentle. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies, you know, God, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant. They have torn down the altars. They've killed all your prophets. And I am the only one left. Remember when Elijah was like, I am the only one left? Now it's, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. So Elijah goes out to the precipice and he's standing there at the edge of the cave that he is hiding in. And the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain and it was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose. But God was not in the wind. And after that, there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And so this continues on. And after the earthquake, there's a fire. And God wasn't in the fire. You know, God should have come in one of those ways, right? I mean, he had been with Elijah. He had spoken to Elijah. He had led Elijah. He had given Elijah victory over 850 prophets. And then Elijah tucks tail and hides because one woman is mad at him. Um, I'm going to leave that one alone, okay? <laughs> Paul is nodding, okay. Um, and after, and so there's a gentle whisper. And Elijah hears this gentle whisper. And he goes out and he wraps his face and he stands at the edge of the cave. And the voice says, Elijah, what are you doing here? 
And Elijah, once again, he's got this litany memorized. He says, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty. The people have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down the altar, killed all your prophets, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord says, notice what he does. He says, I want you to go back the way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to anoint Hazael to be king over Aram. And then I want you to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel in order to take Ahab's place. He's going to be the new king. And then I want you to anoint Elisha or Elisha or however you pray. You know, I don't know why God lets Elisha and Elijah be in the same story. I mean, thinking. Um, but anyway, he anoints Elisha uh, from the town of Abel, uh, Mahalo, Mahalo, right? Um, get a little bit of Hawaii in the Bible. Um, to replace you as my prophet. Um, you know what God's saying to him? You're not all alone. And so then he says, because if anyone escapes Hazael, Jehu will get him. If they escape Jehu, then Elisha will get him. And also, there are 7,000 others who have not worshipped Baal, who have not kissed or bowed down before him. There are 7,000 others who are faithful and trust in me, uh, just like you. You are not the only one left. And, you know, we all get in those places from time to time, don't we? Where we feel like we're all alone. Um, that's never the truth. God is always with you. And so, it kind of came up this this litany. And, you know, this is just a beginning place. I mean, if you're scared, pray. If you're lonely, Pray. Hurting? Pray. If you're sick, what should you do? Oh, you guys are smart. Uh, are you overwhelmed? Happy. Oh, you can pray when you're happy? Yeah. And keep praying. Uh, the Apostle Paul, as he writes in First Thessalonians, um, when he says never stop praying, he's not saying, you know, sit there and close your eyes and bow and just keep praying all the time. What he's do, saying is pray and keep praying. But look at this passage. This is an amazing passage. Uh, Paul says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. And, and um, Paul put this in yellow for us. Um, for this is God's will for you. You know what God's will is for you? Always be joyful Never stop praying and be thankful. Even us Norwegian can handle that one. Um, and then he goes on to say, And now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. Just as God made the fire come down from heaven and burned up the altar, just as God gave um, Elijah the ability to call forth that, that thunderstorm, God will make this happen. For God, the one who calls you, is faithful. He's faithful. He will do what he says he will do. And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, when you pray, 
pray like this. And those of you who have been going through the 40 days of prayer, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer the last couple weeks, and it has been amazing to see new insights into what the Lord's Prayer means and to how we can use it. But Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't say, pray this and, you know, recite the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray like this. And so as we learn and know the Lord's Prayer, we can pray without ceasing in our lives. We can pray in the morning while we're brushing our teeth. We can, you know, we can pray then. We can pray as we sit at the stoplight. Um, you know, you have enough time at a stoplight to pray the whole Lord's Prayer. Um, pray it. Um, you know, as you walk from your car into work or into the grocery store or whatever it is, I mean, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, but as we pray that, then we invite God's peace, God's presence, and God's purpose into our lives. And so, you know, the thing is, God invites us to pray always. God never leaves us alone. God is always with us. Um, so pray. And keep praying. It's just that simple. Um, by the way, um, this week, most of the groups are going through praying for a breakthrough. Um, I'm in the remedial group, so we're doing Pattern of Prayer Part 2 on Wednesday night. Um, but, you know, what's really cool about this is I've seen, we have one member here who's taken the Lord's Prayer and made a, an Excel spreadsheet out of it. And I was like, I was like, uh, went right over my head, but uh, it was pretty amazing to see how he just took and broke it down and diagrammed it, and and, and that worked for him. Um, other people just simply pray it. Um, it is amazing to see the lessons God's teaching us uh, through these 40 days. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Elijah that shows us um, the amazing things that are possible through one life, through one person who chooses to be faithful. Help us to be bold like he was. And then God, help us also to not be as foolish as he was in turning his back on you. For we are never alone. Help us, Lord, to pray and to keep praying each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of See